I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. I am your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 52. And number 52 is significant because that's how many tournaments it feels like are going on this summer as we continue to roll right on through this pandemic-impacted 12-18 month period of the soccer slash football calendar. Obviously, we are following the Euros since we are very much a Euro-centric kind of blog. But with everything going on, Copa America as well, starting up this weekend, we are going to try and keep things Juventus-centric. So first, let me bring in the crew here of Sam Lopresti, who is enjoying some pasta right now. Hello, Sam. It's it, There's there's nothing like a nice, fresh bowl of, of pasta and sauce. And it is sauce. <laughs> That's right. You, you are Anyone who says gravy gets a smack. It's sauce, everybody. <laughs> it is sauce. Gravies put on potatoes. One time I was in one of the, I was actually in one of these arguments on Facebook one time. And I said, I said, gravy is put on meat and potatoes. And somebody said, I also put it on pasta along with cheese. And I said, oh crap, guys, he's come up with Italian poutine. Um, but yeah, sauce, sauce, everybody. We've got Chuck's fresh off a three, two thriller kind of win for the Netherlands. Hello, Chuck's. Yeah, Thriller, it was indeed. Well, Thriller, just kind of a calamitous uh, 90 <laughs> minutes, really. Well, 45 minutes. So the first half was relatively dull. Um, the second half, that was the, yeah, that was the uh, calamity. <laughs> um, I mean, a bigger shock than than just the madness that was that 45 minutes is 
I had no idea people put gravy on their pasta. So I've learned something new today. Last but not least, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here, as always. I do just like pesto, I think, and that's pretty much the only thing I put on my pasta, given that that's the topic we're starting with. It's it's scintillating stuff, guys. <laughs> pesto is highly valid. Yes. Pesto is highly valid. Yes. Well, seeing as last week our plans got derailed by the Max Allegri return, we figured we'd finally get around to our season in review of sorts, and we are going to do it a little bit differently rather than, say, just rattling off season ratings or whatever, and we're going to actually dish out a few awards here. So obviously, you can probably figure out a couple of them, but we we are going to go MVP, LVP, biggest disappointment, and the most improved player over the course of the 2020-21 season. So Chucks, who is your MVP? Oh my, I got to start. <laughs> I am honored. Thank you. Um, drum roll, please. Uh, now, um, besides, I mean, I try always try and think, you know, okay, besides the obvious candidates, you know, who can I, uh, who can I give these uh, esteemed awards to? But yeah, I mean, besides the ones I think you guys will mention, I think really um, MVP. Oh no, you guys might mention this one too. But Juan Cuadrado for me, it's got to be Juanito, just because it was really quite surprising to me just how like attacking well how I mean how well he became with his assists and and even you know a goal a goal here and there but really with his assists and I think it was Hunter that said it in our slack channel or maybe in a comment somewhere that he said you know given how precarious our fullback situation was this season with just basically this the slimmest of slimmest uh, fullbacks staff on 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 the roster Given just how thin we were in that area, imagine if Cuadrado had not adapted to the right back position as well as he did. Because once again, he's not a traditional right back. He started all the way for. I think I've made this comparison before, actually, with him and uh, well, a Dutch mastermind, their guys, formerly of Liverpool. I always made that comparison with him because I think their careers kind of followed the same trajectory, really. Um, although I think it started as a striker and then went to left wing position and then slowly kind of went constantly went back a line. Like, I, I mean, he went sort of back to midfield and even at some point, I think he was a little bit left back ish, but, but yeah, I mean, it's similar for, um, for Cuadrado started all the way left wing, super attacking player. And then just slowly went back to right back, right wing back. And then, well, right back, back. And despite that, he's just been, I mean, just excellent. If we didn't have his assist contributions this season, I mean, my God, I don't know. <laughs> I know we would have had a serious issue. And just his defensive con- contributions as well. Because, I mean, making that transition from an extremely attacking player to, you know, a defender, I mean, that is really, really difficult. And I don't think we quite appreciate just how, how difficult that is. Um, there are few players who have made such a transition that effectively. You know, I'm thinking of players like, Philip Lam, which I mean, maybe not an apples to apples comparison, but still, Philip Lam was a player like that as well. But yeah, I nom- I nominate him just because of how how important it was that he was that good. Because if he wasn't, had he not been that good this season, yeah, we would have had serious problems, even bigger problems in in fullback position, which we still have issues there. So just you know, just to be clear, we still have issues there. We shouldn't get comfortable there, but. 
Cuadrado definitely uh, kept the ship pretty stable at right back. So uh, here, here to uh, Cuadrado. Samuel Presti, what say you? Uh, I have had my thunder stolen because it is very, very, mu- I very, very much agree with with Chucks in terms of Cuadrado. I just not not only just the, by the numbers. I mean, just if you look by the eye test with him, when he was not when he was not playing, the team looked demonstrably worse. The team looked like it couldn't put together any sort of attack. And, and he also came up, I I wrote this in my, my player rankings for the wide players. All of the big games were the games that he stood, you know, he stood out even more in those big games, you know, the Porto second leg, the enter game. It it, it was really just him being, he, he was the impetus of this team's attack from that deep right, right hand side, right flank position coming up and, and really orchestrating a lot of things, which is not what you normally expect from that position in order to, to mention a player that is not already been mentioned. My next choice after that would be Federico Chiesa. You know, it took him a little bit of time to kind of spool up, but once he did, man, I mean, he was Juve's big game guy for a long stretch of this season between the Champions League knockouts, the Milan game in January, the final against Atalanta. He, he, he came up and scored the big goals and, and showed that he really is this guy, the guy that can make things happen up there and is a real guy to build this team around. And it's going to be really interesting to see how we, we, how how and whether that happens but i and and i think again when you look at at the way the team played those three four weeks that he was out injured in in late uh, late in the season in may or april may that's when the crisis point ended up coming in terms of champions league qualification because all of a sudden he was out and the team's form nosedived and they when they when he came back was when they started to to pick it up just as just enough to to sneak in so yeah for for me if if Juan's not it then I think Chiesa is all right Sergio who you got yeah I I gotta stick by my my graph back rankings it'd be weird if I didn't so who which by the way I'm gonna have to retool those because I I actually once what I was you know doing the the math right in the end if Federico Chiesa had like the thing with Federico Chiesa was that he's like a, he had a lot of really good games in matches where either Juve got a draw or they lost, so he couldn't get any points towards the prestigious grab back MVP award. So that was kind of like a weak point in my system. So I want to have to tinker with that, but yeah, in order to remain consistent, I, I gotta go with Cristiano Ronaldo. He, you know, we we've talked a lot about him in regards to his wages, uh, his supercars, he's all of this off the field drama. But, but you know, the facts are the facts. And I mean, he he led the, the league by, he led the team in goals by a significant margin. I mean, he had 36 goals in the season, all competitions, 16 more than the second place in, in the team. Obviously, you know, we all know the, the caveats, you know, he gets force feet a lot of, you know, passes, he has kind of like the focus of the offense. He gets a lot of PKs, whatever, man. But still, you know, the facts are the facts. He was, a, you know, the leading goal scorer in Serie A. He was the leading goal scorer for the team. 
did he fade at the end of the season a little bit? Sure. But there's not a lot of dudes out there who can consistently churn out 35 plus goals per season. And so, you know, it's going to be a matter of debate and I'm sure we'll all have a lot of takes if he does leave, if he doesn't leave, how are we going to look back at, at, you know, the, the Cristiano Ronaldo era, so to speak, but it, it really is like you get used to him scoring 30 plus goals every season, awfully fast. And, and I mean, that's just not something that we had seen in, in Juventus for over a decade, just like a consistent 30 plus goal scorer. We just hadn't had that. Even with Gonzalo Higuain, he only had one season like that. So, you know, I, I I I do think we have to give him his props. Obviously, you know, the results with him were not what we all wanted it wanted wanted them to be. But it, it's undoubted that he's still you know a, a top top goal scorer, and he showed that in the season. Yeah, I forgot to mention that we're actually doing this in a draft kind of format. <laughs> so that's why we're all going with different picks. And I guess I can I can throw in a couple since you know I am the man running the ship, but also Supreme I guess, Overlord, yes. Yes, yes the yes. Supreme Overlord. You ha- although, yes, and you have your opinions and although damn, also and damn it, you need to <laughs> Although also I guess, you know, my opinion does actually kind of play a, a, a role in the in the website. So I will actually give a couple of defenders some love. Chucks, I will take your thunder thighed Dutchman Matthias Delict. <laughs> Go on. Um, because for the simple matter of Juventus's defense was obviously a bit of an adventure for a good portion of the season. And uh, I don't want to scare a lot of people away, but the thing that adds to Delict's value for me is just what it would look like if he wasn't there. So I think just you, you have him and obviously, you know, we see reports about him as a potential future captain. And I think knowing how quickly he became captain at Ajax, that's a pretty natural progression for him, but also just how he was able to be a consistent force with so much changing around him, both defensively and in midfield, where, um, you know, he say wasn't the commanding presence in every single game, but he still had a really good season. So my pick is Delict, but also a shout out for Danilo. I think he had a season where I think we'll be mentioning him in a few minutes for one of our other picks. And so which one do we want to go with next, gentlemen? Biggest disappointment or LVP? LVP, I would say. LVP? <laughs> yeah, Okay. My pick will be Aaron Ramsey. Okay, over to you, Sergio. Sure, that's sweet. Awesome. I mean, doing it, doing it the right way, as it should. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the you know that that's the obvious obvious choice, and and with good reason. He, he was definitely not not a good player. The the only reason I wouldn't have picked him as my LVP is because I expected little of him, even like so. It wasn't that big of a, ch- a shot, but <laughs> that's a very that's a very good counterpoint on your part. Very yeah, good. for sure. I mean, it, it, he wasn't great, you know, either way. But you know, with, with with the obvious, you know, suspect of of the table, I think I'm going to go with um, Arthur. Actually, Arthur to me is is the LVP, just because he, in on paper, he had such a big role to play for this team. He was, you know, again on paper, he was the type of guy that we really needed to kind of hold the fort in that, you know, holding midfield position, kind of like be that, you know, heir to Miralem Pjanic. 
and he just failed at it. He really did fail at it. I know that, you know, he had the injuries. I know that he, you know, had his time to get used to, to the team and all that. But it, to me, he's the LVP just because he could have and he should have been such an asset to the team, given the position he plays, given what, what he's supposed to be good at. And outside of those three, four matches he had in January, when it seemed like things were kind of clicking, he, he was just mostly mediocre, sometimes just objectively awful. And, and, you know, for a guy that we really, not only maybe we didn't have the highest hopes for, but just on paper in the system that Andrea Pirlo or, or dearly departed Andrea Pirlo wanted to play, he had to be better. And, and he wasn't. And I think a big, big, you know, reason for the season's quote unquote failure has to rely on, on him just not being able to, to deliver anything resembling, you know, upper level type of, of midfield play. So I'm going to go with Arthur there. All right, Samuel, over to you. I'm going to, I'm going to be jumping down the depth chart a little bit, but you know, it's hard to come up with like the really damning guys, but for me, and it, it sucks, it sucks for him in this manner, but I'm going to pick Gianluca Frabotta just because, I mean, he had a couple of, he, he had two main parts of the season where he played with regularity. The one, the first, at, you know, at the very beginning of the season when Alexandro got hurt, that was okay. Second, it looked like he was doing okay. And then there was that inter game where he absolutely got roasted um, by Ashraf Hakimi. And, and then he barely played after that. <laughs> He, he did not play a single game after March, uh, after early March. You know, it's a case of, of clearly being, you know, clearly ha- being one of the lower performing guys on the team. And then just to obviously make such a, so it's such a, a bad impression on Pirlo that, you know, but that by two thirds of the way through the season, you had been permanently benched. That that's a bad year, man. That's a bad year. I actually, oh, I sorry, I had John stole your uh, jumped ahead there, Dang. Um, <laughs> but you I know, don't. I'm, I, I think your your voice introduces itself. Oh, thank you, thank you. I, I was chomping at the bits there. To, uh, <laughs> You're to ready to make pick. your pick. I wanted to go for it because I actually, actually strongly disagree with Sergio's pick of uh, Artur. I thought that was very, um, very harsh, actually. <laughs> Well, I mean, I thought Artur had that, indeed, that kind of brief, like, month, month and a half spell where he was really good, and then he was injured, and then after his injury, he just wasn't really there. But then he wasn't really picked um, at all by Pirlo, which, I don't know, maybe it's poor form in training, maybe he never really recovered from his injury, who knows. But um, I still do have faith in him that he will be very useful for Allegri. But yeah, I mean, I just... Uh, I disagree there, uh, Sergio, but you're forgiven. <laughs> I, I joke. Forgiven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the LVP. Um, well, of course, Ramsey, besides Ramsey. But I guess maybe it's kind of an obvious pick as well. But sorry, um, Federico um, Bernadeschi. There he is. Uh, I was yeah, wondering when uh, we'd get to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually thought someone else would pick him. But but also other, I mean, good, good picks, of course. Yeah, Bernadeschi. I, I think it's, I mean, I think his time is just up. And we very, very, I mean, Pirlo gave him a very brief chance to, uh, I guess, show some kind of value to the team at um, left back. 
uh, position, which really, I mean, that would have been actually quite fascinating if that had come off because we would have basically had a Cuadrado 2.0, you know, which that would have been, honestly, that would have been a great coup. If Pirlo had pulled that off, like getting Bernadeschi and Danilo to be like superstars, man, that would have been truly amazing but us uh, he would still have work. a job yeah 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 hell yeah he would still be in a job i would say keep him on then really but yeah i mean unfortunately that didn't work out and yeah i think his uh unfortunately i think his time is up i mean i appreciate his his contribution to Juventus over over the years and he's he's always just been a good guy good professional you know he's never done any stupid things never said any weird stuff in the press and just you know just always been just a good good guy so, you know, I hope we do give him, I mean, if, if he leaves, which I suppose he will, I hope we give him just a respectful departure. You know, I imagine we will, but yeah, Bernadeschi is my, uh, my pick for our uh, LVP. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply all right, Chucks, don't get too comfortable because your biggest disappointment this season was who? Oh, man, I was going to put my feet up. I was going to put my feet up and get you know, get comfortable. <laughs> um, no, without a doubt, uh, this is probably the one I have the strongest opinion about. To me, without a doubt, biggest disappointment was Kulusevsky. He really, really, really disappointed me. I think because he was in the beginning really good. And then, I don't know, he just, oh, man, his decision-making in the final third absolutely drove me mad. Oh, just insane just i mean he would always he'd get into good positions maybe kind of get past the player or two i mean he would just almost always just pick the wrong decision always just pass when he should shoot shoot when he should pass and it just drove me mad and yeah i, I think that that for sure is my pick for the biggest disappointment that that said i think his end to the season is his final few games where he had a very strong end to the season i think that does give me kind of like with Artur gives me hope that I think he will be he'll he'll come off well though I think all things considered for Allegri I think he will still end up being a very good player for Juventus but just a very difficult season first season for him I just like I said I think this thing that just sums it up for me it was just his decision making in the final third was just always just yeah it, it, I felt like you know eight times out of ten it was just the wrong choice and compare that to someone like Chiesa who do, who just always make the right choice like you just know, like, he would pick the exact right right time to dribble past someone and then, you know, lay an assist on or something like that. But, yeah, Kulusevsky just didn't have that, I don't know, that killer nature that Chiesa had this season. But I, I think he'll still be good, though. So, uh, you know, here's to hoping. And it's ironic because one of the things we talked about when Chiesa first signed was, well, that decision-making kind of <laughs> – 
catch up to the talent. So, yeah. no, not quite yet. Not quite yet. For, yet for again, Samuel, your pick. Uh, I have to go with Mara Demerol. That was and, actually my second pick. Honestly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and it's it's ironic given the fact that uh, he unfortunately was the first man on the score sheet at the Euros this past week. Juventus scored um, the first goal at the Juventus, Euros. Yes, Juventus scored the first goal. And, 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 and we laugh, but to be fair to him, that was a very difficult situation. Like he, yes. he, that On that own goal, the only thing that he could have done was gotten in the way and prayed because if he, had got, if he hadn't done anything, Immobile was right behind him. And he knew he, he and he knew that it was you know it was it was poor, good play from Berardi and Immobile to get into those positions and just bad luck. He just had to you know hope with that with that kind of a ball, but you know overall there wasn't the there wasn't the 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 improvement that I had been hoping in him from year one to year two at at Juve. He'd you know obviously coming off of a major injury was a, was a big deal. But, you know, between Giorgio Chiellini being hurt a lot this season and Leonardo Bonucci not playing particularly well this season, you know, there was a there was a there was a period there where if Demerol had really stepped it up, he would have been able to like he would have been able to push some of the older guys down the death chart a little bit if he'd really played. But you know, you you see obviously the 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 second leg game against Porto being a big example of how he just he just bites so hard on on tackles when he doesn't have to. You know, he's he's still he's still that kind of bull in a china shop defender. And and, and again, like you said, Chucks, I I still think he's very very talented. He's going to be a good player. You know, we've been talking a lot about about the the players that might be sacrificed to the god of capital gains this this summer, and Demerol's name has come up quite a lot. If if he goes, you know, obviously we'd need another center back to replace him because you know Fabio Paratici's incredible transfer business in giving Atalanta a fifteen million euro option on the Serie A defensive defender of the year, you know, is 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 preventing us from getting a good uh a good player there but he he just didn't take the step up and he just still would he would make the same mistakes that he was making last year and you know I'm okay with mistakes if you learn from them and he doesn't seem to be right now you know that said if he does stay next year like you know the reports that Andrea Barzali might come back into coaching and and be an assistant on on Allegri's bench again this year if there's one player that that's going to help, it would be him to, 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 you know, have a, a master like that coaching you. And, and that could very well just be a special project in that regard. But yeah, I, I, the, there were so many opportunities for Demerol to, to step up and take a, and really mark himself down alongside Delict as the future in that back line and he just he missed them and he missed them badly what say you yeah. mr romero yeah i jumped the gun again like chucks he's just putting <laughs> up a bad example for everyone well we mentioned your cousin christian romero so i i understand yeah no yeah actually i'm i was i was, I was going with them because i was I, i'm assuming that the guy i picked was going to be the first one of the board, but I guess I guess he's still there. So I'm gonna take Rodrigo Bentancur. I think he, you know, to me, he is the biggest disappointment in the whole year, just in the sense of what 
like the, the, the actual definition of a disappointment in, in terms of what we actually expected of him in terms of the fact that he was supposed to be the guy that in a way carried the load for this, you know, midfield that, you know, that he kind of took Miralem Pjanic's, uh, you know, starting spot in the end of last season, during the end of last season, uh, that, you know, Miralem Pjanic was shipped out, that, you know, everyone was fawning over him. And he really did look like a, like a guy very much ready to take the next step um, in the last few few games of the Maurizio Sarri era. And he was just a, a, an abject disaster. Like, he just was bad. I, 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 I can count with one hand how many good games he had last season. And he did have a couple. He did have a few here and there where he kind of looked uh, good. But, but outside of that, he was just a disaster like he was objectively you know taking the team down with him like he was making costly mistakes obviously the 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 first goal against FC Porto being the the you know the biggest one but that was not the only one he did all season and you know he was just exposed over and over and over again in the sense of the things that he cannot do and that we all thought that he would develop, that, that this would be the year that he would finally get to do those things, which was, you know, kind of like recycle the ball and, and be that holding midfielder guy that that can, you know, break out of the press and, and help, you know, Leo Bonucci in that sense of, of breaking off the presses and play play from the back, which is the, you know, which was a big concept in, the, in Andrea Pirlo's Juventus. So the fact that he couldn't do that, and not only that he can do that, that he, in my opinion, regressed from what we saw from him, you know, just a couple of years back. I, I I honestly think this was his worst season as a Juve player since he like since he got into a team. So to me, he he has to be the biggest disappointment. I think if he wasn't on that weird, you know, Boca Juniors contract in which like I think Boca Juniors get 40% of whatever a transfer transfer fee he gets, I, I legitimately think that's the only thing that's keeping him on the roster because he was so bad last season that that it's one of those things that's okay. You just we just gotta let you go, and I think it's that is the main reason that he's going to remain as a Juve player. We know that he has the talent. It, this just was a, a face plant of a season for him, and you know, given given his his status, he's gonna get another shot. I really really hope that he can that he can make the best of it and actually bounce back to something resembling what we expect from him and what we know that he can do when he's, you know, at his best, but this season was just decidedly not his best. So, so he's the the biggest disappointment for me. Well, so Sam took the pick that Sergio was going to take. Sergio took the pick that I was going to take. So I am going to take in turn, I am going to take one of Sergio's favorite players. And I am going to say not necessarily, not necessarily Paulo Dybala himself, but the whole Paulo Dybala situation of what his season was with the injury carrying over from last summer. And then it took him a while to get going. And then once he finally did start to show signs of his former self, he gets hurt and then he's out for three and a half months. And then the last couple of games, it's like, okay, finally we get to see Dybala being Dybala again. So we mentioned it in our, in our, season ratings is that this was easily the worst season that he had. And obviously there were a lot of circumstances that played into it, but just the fact that 
he was so good last season and then he just both physically and whatever couldn't get that going again until the very end of the season was uh was pretty disappointing for me so three of our large adult sons are in that's that, right are, are in this are in this group that was that, that's, that right. that's pretty depressing isn't it <laughs> that's right that's right all righty last but not least i will start it off for most improved and i will get kind of specific once again i will take pre-hip injury weston mckinney and that's mostly because we came into the season thinking okay mckinney signed on loan loan fees not all that expensive what are the expectations for him maybe he's a nice depth piece whatever and then he just comes out and he's easily one of Juventus's best players in the first half of the season he scores that just fantastic goal against Barcelona he's you know basically being the advanced midfielder that Andrea Pirlo first thought Aaron Ramsey would be and he's he was just fantastic and consistently fantastic. So he is my most improved player just because he surpassed, I think, anybody's expectations outside of maybe our resident Texan Hunter Sharpless. So Sergio, who is your pick for most improved player? Yeah, I, I, I got to go again. I'm, I'm, I'm left with the obvious choice uh, considering I, was, I thought Daniel was going to pick him for sure, but it has to be Danilo. It has to be Danilo. That, that's a guy that, when he came to Juventus, he was thought he he was kind of like an afterthought. He was kind of like a make make weight in the in the Joao Cancelo trade. Whatever you you think of Joao Cancelo, everyone kind of assumed that Danilo was just kind of a throwaway. And in his very first season for Juventus, he very much was kind of like a throwaway guy. Just a dude who, you know, I remember I wrote a piece last season about him being like, a, you know, like the mythical replacement level player in baseball. Like that's who he was. Like that's just, he's a dude that's going to come in and he's going to do his job average. And that's it. That's who he is. And he's a nice death piece to have, but that's all he was. And, you know, if if we're going to, you know, look back at the Andrea Pirlo um, year in charge of Juventus and really kind of, you know, pick the, the highlights of it, the, the way he somehow unlocked Danilo to to become a true Swiss army knife type of type of a guy a, a guy we saw line up as a center back as a full back as a makeshift wing back he lined up in in the middle of the field even and did a pretty pretty above average job at pretty much all of those positions like sure he you know he obviously he still didn't light up the 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 statue that's not who he is but he was very good at a number of positions. He was key for that positional flexibility that Andrea Pirlo was trying to, to, to get from his, from his, you know, from his team that not a lot of players really ever understood or really knew how to work in, but Danilo did. And Danilo definitely made the best of that opportunity. I think this, like his stock is as high as it, like, as it's been in a few years, probably since he, since he left Porto, um, with Alexandro actually in, in that, you know, famous Porto, you know, fullback lineup. And, and it's just insane to me that now we can actually make a, an argument like who got the better of that deal, just because Danilo was so, so good. And 
it's it's something that I, I can tell you that I did not expect to see happening. I think no one did expect to see him not only start so many games, be such a core component of the team, but perform so well while doing so. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Danilo. I think that that has to be the, the obvious choice. What say you, Sam? I'm going to go with Alvaro Morata. Obviously, he ever since he's left Juventus, it's been a it, it's been a really rough stretch for him. You know, with that the year at Real Madrid where he won the Champions League, but also didn't play. And then, you know, the, the two years at, at Chelsea, you know, he, he had that weird illness in, at, at Chelsea, kind of hampered his effectiveness for his first year there. He was kind of average at Atletico Madrid. But when he got back to Juventus, first off, it, it does go to show you that, you know, sometimes people do really play better where they're comfortable and where they feel they're wanted because it's so clear he loved coming back and he loves being at Juve. But also, he not only did, especially in those first couple of months when Ronaldo was out with the COVID and, and he also wasn't, you know, you know, there was a period where Ronaldo was kind of not not really hitting. And also, especially considering the fact that Dybala wasn't really hitting, you needed a guy like him next to next to Ronaldo at that point. He He's also from the from his last season to Juventus here, you can really see the maturity in him. You know, he he knows how to play that number nine position. Now he, he go, he does the dirty work. He gets in, he, you know, makes these lung busting runs sometimes out of that, you know, that, what was, what, which, what, which game was it? Was it the, it was one of the late games when Morata like busted out a, a th- 20 or 30 yard full full stretch, uh, full steam run to keep a ball in play. And that ended up leading to a goal. Like, you know, he, he, he gives that effort. He gives that, that, you know, no, no frills, no nonsense. Number nine that everybody says is extinct in the modern game, but that every coach will tell you, you really actually need. And he also had one of his best seasons. You know, he, he fell off a little bit towards the end and, and I, that, that left a lot of people disappointed in him, but he had one of his best seasons as a pro. He scored 20 goals overall and had a, a and his assist numbers were great. I want to, I want to be able to actually give a 11, assist. 11 assists. Had, yeah. Thank you. 11, he, Cristiano Ronaldo goals. Yeah. 11 assists. And that is, and, and you know, that, that's, that just, it, he, he came to Juve this season, a better, a much better player than he left it. Uh, several years ago, but also I think a better, he, he ended up a better player this year than he had been at Atleti and Chelsea in the last couple of years before this. I'm hopeful that we'll, we'll be seeing him in again more in the future in the black and white stripes. Cause I really think he's going to do well. Last pick Chuck's over to you. Yeah. Mine's going to be uh, short and sweet because, um, Sergio has basically uh, taken my uh, thunder. Um, no, it, it has to be Danilo. I was tr- really, really, really trying to think of someone else, but I mean, maybe Cuadrado, but I thought he was, I mean, I thought last season he had a good season as well. So I don't think in terms of improved, I don't think by definition, I don't think that would really work. Yeah. It has to be Dan- Danilo. I mean, he was just, you know, yeah. Maybe Rabio. Really. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Rabio's tricky as well. I mean, I think him and Benta, Rabio and Bentancourt, I think we're just kind of the victim of just the whole tactical uncertainty of, 
of having the you know the whole double double pivot uh, issue that you know we all clearly saw didn't work well for them or didn't didn't bring out the best of their abilities. I don't think Rabiot had a bad season, but yeah, I mean, better yeah. than last year though. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give a a a tentative shout to Rabio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course, Danilo is my big shout, and then um, a tentative shout to Rabio, who also I think still has more to give the to the, to the team. Has given very well, you know, has done very well for the team. But I still feel like we haven't seen, quite seen the best of him. All right, there you have it for our season picks for wide-ranging categories. So we were talking about the midfield quite a bit, and our Twitter questions this week will center around said midfield and a midfielder that we watched a few days ago. So first from at Chris Caps 8 how far do you think Juventus will go in pursuing Manuel Locatelli? Hopefully very, very far. Um, <laughs> it, it's going to depend on how much money we have. It's going to depend on a lot of things. But usually when this club fixes its target on its main target of the year, they'll find a way. They also might be buoyed by the fact, you know, there are, and this is where you see, you know, report X says this, report Y says this, because it's transfer season and nothing is actually official until it's official. But, you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen various reports thrown around on Twitter that Locatelli has told Sassuolo he wants to go to Juventus, which, you know, obviously would be a big boost to everything. It, it would, it will depend on who the competitors are. The report uh, report coming in tonight on Sunday, when we're recording that Arsenal's trying to throw their hat into that ring along with a lot of other big clubs. Um, what's going to happen to his price tag after the euros. Cause you know, that's a heck of, you know, Sassuolo are doing good business by not, by not doing this until after the tournament is over. And uh, and a couple of a uh, couple of friends of mine jokingly said they can't wait for Marco Verratti to get back because that may mean that Locatelli will get dropped to the bench and they'll you know stop going up five or ten million every game. But he is clearly one of the the types of midfielders that this team absolutely needs. And I, I think if you're Juve, you have to pull out as many stops as you can in order to make sure he is one of the players on this team next year. If you haven't, then something's wrong, or there are just other other factors at work that we just really don't know behind the scenes in terms of interclub relationships and that sort of thing. But he he is their primary target. You've seen them go all out for such targets in the past. Matthijs Delict being one of the being one uh, where I actually didn't think Juventus would get him, but they ended up doing so. So I think they'll probably I think they will go right up to the very brink of their capabilities. It just ha- it just does take some asking as to what those capabilities are going to be. We really don't know that right now with the financial situation that they're going to do and th- that they're having and are they going to maybe try to speculate on how many fans they're allowed in the stadium next year in order to do something or are they going to be really constrained by the numbers that are on the balance sheet now? Yeah, just I'd like to to bring a you know a name back from from a few years back. Do you guys remember Alexander Golovin? Golovin. 
Golovin. Yes. Golovin. Uh, yes. The Russian midfielder that was, you know, heavily linked with Juventus before the World Cup. Uh, every every outlet and and their mother was swearing it was a done deal. And then Golovin had a pretty good World Cup in in, in Russia's. I, I think it was a quarterfinals run that that World Cup, if I remember correctly. And he got priced out uh, of Juventus' range. And I, I think he ended up going to Monaco, if I remember. I, he, the point is, he's clearly not a Juve player. And obviously, this is not an apples-to-apples situation because Locatelli has been linked with Juve for far longer than, than Golovin ever was. But it is important to, to remember that just because of what Sam was saying, that I think it's the most important thing. And I would even say almost maybe not more important but almost as important as the financial situation just how well Locatelli plays or, or doesn't play in the Euros because we've seen time and time again just a guy that is you know is a good player but then has a fantastic performance in in the world stage uh, your James Rodriguez for example that's another guy that you know he was a good player people knew him but then he has a fantastic World Cup and boom Real Madrid is you know, buying him for like 80 million euros or something. I think, you know, if Locatelli has, you know, fantastic euros, he's the linchpin of that midfield. Italy makes a a run. I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see because we're already seeing reports from teams outside of Italy. If he does have really, really good euros, you know, there's a pretty decent chance that those PSGs, those Premier League teams, those type of squads are going to start sniffing around. And I don't think, given, given what Sam was saying, I don't think given the financial situation, if if suddenly, you know, Arsenal or whoever or PSG or, you know, name name your super rich club comes to Sassuolo and it's like, here's 70 million euros, give us Manuel Locatelli. Like, that's, that's going to be the winning bid because the report right now is 40 mil. Most of the, you know, consistent reports are 40 mil and Juve is trying to lower that with other players and stuff. If one of the rich teams just decides to, you know, go, go for broke, I don't think Juve has a lot of, you know, alternatives, a lot of things to play with here. Obviously, again, that that's going to fully depend on the Euros. That's going to fully depend on, on how they manage the books and, and Cristiano Ronaldo and his wages and who they sell and who stays and all of that. But that's a guy that I very much want to be a Juventus player, but that it, it feels like there's a lot of factors in the air that could very well derail derail the signing moving forward. And, and I don't think they will just have the financial mic to really go, you know, go full out on him. Not because they don't like him as a player, just because I don't think they're in a position to do so as as the team is currently constituted. Constitute? Constitute. Whatever, you can edit that out. Constituted. Thank you. I'll just add quickly on uh, Locatelli. Uh, not too much extra to add. You guys have kind of covered most of it. Yeah, I mean, we'll kind of have to go for broke to get him because, uh, I mean, the situation, we've all known this for, you know, centuries and centuries now that, you know, midfield is essentially our weakest link. Um, centuries, and, huh? Yeah, yeah. Four <laughs> score on 100 years ago. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I mean it's 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 been a weak link for years and years and centuries and centuries and light years and well, light years is distance actually. I shouldn't say that. You can edit that one out <laughs> before any physicians uh, or physics majors here and uh, embarrass me. But yeah, I mean we're we have to like strengthen midfield. We really, really, really need to do so. And the problem is that 
Um, other clubs will know that, like Sassuolo know that we need midfield reinforcements. Uh, they see us coming from a mile away. So that means they, you know, they're ready to, to you know, pump up that bid or pump up the price of Locatelli as much as they want to because they know how much we need it. So, yeah, that puts us in a pretty bad negotiating position, honestly. So, uh, um, I mean, I obviously I'd love to have Locatelli um, at Juventus, but um, I'm not very optimistic about how the negotiations will go. Although Sassuolo have been generally quite friendly with us, so I think that that is good. But he's not going to come for cheap. <laughs> Definitely not. So with all that being said, from at Bacisabi, if Locatelli is priced out, who are Juventus going to who are Juventus going to go for in the midfield? Marco Verratti. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Sergio said, I definitely hope that doesn't happen. I could see Hussein Awar popping back up on the radar in that in that case. He didn't have as good a season this year, this past year, as he did last year with with Lyon, and you know that there, there's always been a connection there. You know that's that's another you know that if you're looking in that direction. Another question, and the question that also I think exists with Sassuolo when it comes to Locatelli is relationships between club and club, because, you know, Lyon, we had a very good relationship with Lyon. We had a very good relationship with Sassuolo until the, until the Super League debacle happened. And the, the, the chair, the owners of those two particular clubs happened to be two that were very, very vocal in how pissed off they were at that whole situation. So you have to think about that. But yeah, I could definitely see Awar coming back on the radar. He seems like a guy that Allegri would be able to use really well as kind of a, you know, in that kind of able-bodied Sammy Kadira sort of way. And he, uh, I'll, I'll throw one out from, from left field. You know, when in, in January, when Nicola Fagioli played in the Copa quarterfinals against Spal and had a really good game and everyone was really talking him up, a lot of the talking up involved a quote from Allegri about having watched Fagioli when he was playing for the Primavera. It would not surprise me. Well, well, it would surprise me because Allegri and, and young players like that, it doesn't happen very often. But it would not shock me if we got priced out of a guy like Locatelli and we really needed a guy like, you know, with that kind of a skill set. If Fagioli was given some test runs out in preseason uh, and maybe start started to get integrated into the team a little more and, and building from, from within in that regard and seeing what he has. And if he has it, then, Hey, that's a heck of a thing to have a, a really good midfielder with, you know, coming out of your own system. Haven't had that happen since uh, some some dude's name started with an M. What was he? The one with the really awesome blue eyes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that that. Honestly, if you, I think you know, if you're looking for for a real thing, you either go in that award direction or see what you have on your own. Yeah, and so yeah, I mean, if we don't get Locatelli, which I mean, you know, who knows if we do or not. I mean, I'm just thinking, okay, what do we need most? Like, what does the Juventus midfield need most? And I'm, I, I mean, I, in my opinion, anyway, I think we most need a regista. You know, we've tried to shoehorn Bentancur in there, which doesn't really, hasn't really worked out. Artur, I mean, 
He could, but I think I would prefer him a little further, uh, higher up the pitch. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, so we need really need a regista, and yeah, are there really any truly high, or rather, who are the highly talented regista midfielders available? Available, um, very you know, key, key term there. Uh, who are those available at the moment? Um, I'm not really sure, honestly. I'm willing to take suggestions, but um, I'm not really sure. But I mean, I, I just thinking in terms of that's the type of player we need. And then we have to think about which ones are available. And off the top of my head, I just can't really think of any that are realistic and are at least semi-available. Yeah, that's that's a tough one just because, again, it's it, it all comes down to to the money, to the money, to the money, to the money. And and since we... I, I I feel safe saying that none of us are professional scouts. You know, I can tell you that, you know, for example, if if Locatelli for whatever reason does not pan out, my guess it would be someone that we haven't even heard of in the model of Weston McKinney, right? Like a dude that you don't really follow. And then he's, you know, a midfielder in, I don't know, some mid-table French team. And it, you know, turns out that the Juve brass were following him all along. And it's kind of like that, you know, low price type of thing. See if it pans out type of situation uh you know just kind of like more established names i think the recent reports were that allegri still really likes uh milinkovic savic from lazio which i don't know if he's the m midfielder with the beautiful eyes that sam was thinking about earlier that started with an m but you know i think that guy was was another one that they were looking at and you know obviously the the, the paul pogba rumor is going to be there every single transfer season especially with with the, the new one, the new rendition of this rumor that we have every single transfer season is that um, it's it's in a trade with Cristiano Ronaldo, which if that is on the table, you take that immediately. But I very much doubt that is on the table. So, and just another dude that I've brought up over and over, well, not over and over again, but I'm pretty sure I brought him up a couple of times at least is, is Gatano Castrovilli from Fiorentina. I still think he's not the flashiest uh, name he you know he doesn't necessarily jump out of out of the page but he just plays that exactly the type of player they need in that midfield they just he just he he just has it he is your typical holding mid uh, number five type of guy and he's a guy that I mean you know it's Fiorentina so you know they're gonna make it difficult for Juve but in terms of price range in terms of a guy just being there in the in the type of age they want, he's 24, still a young guy. I would like to to still see him as a Juve player if all the other options don't pan out. And and that to me is a name that could definitely be a, a big boost to this midfield, while also not being you know the the usual suspects that are going to involve a 50, 60 million euro price tag. So that 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 would be my kind of you know, quote unquote, out of the box type of type of player that I, I would love to see if if the Manuel Locatelli thing does not pan out. Tito would never speak to us again. I was just about to say two Ita- young Italians going from Fiorentina to Juventus in back to back summers. Tito's never coming on this podcast again. At, at the very least, though, I mean, if that does happen, then the fans are going to be so pissed that they're going to probably burn down the Artemio Franchi, at which point Rocco Camiso gets that stadium that he wants to build exactly. in Florence. With yeah. <laughs> then Tito would be okay with it because he's been yearning for a new stadium for years. Hey, the ends justify the means, right? That's right. That's right. It's all part of the plan, Chucks. They all, the dots connect in some way or another. 
Anyways, thank you very much for your Twitter questions. Before we go, a shout out to one Christian Erickson, who thankfully is doing much better according to everything we see as we're recording here today on Sunday after collapsing on the field in Denmark's Euro 2020 opener on Saturday. Obviously a very scary scene and something that I think it's safe to say nobody here wants to see the replay video of at any point in the next couple of decades. So uh, glad to hear that Erickson is doing well and that he has been apparently writing some messages to not only his Danish teammates, but to the inter-management. So uh, good on Beppe Marotta for obviously uh, reaching out as fast as he could and getting some kind of communication going with obviously a player that, yeah, had some very nervy moments on the field on Saturday. So, and similar shout out to Simon Kier for how he yes. handled that whole thing yes. with the, you know, covering him up from the cameras and starting and, and helping it and starting the, the first aid basically. And that, that, that was, that that's going to get him lots of points in the cosmos for, for that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. All that being said, Twitter questions, you can always send them to us at Juventus nation on Twitter. You can follow us there as well as on Facebook, search black and white and red all over. Same search model and phrase for uh, your favorite podcast streaming platform, whether it be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I know we've had some issues with Apple Podcasts in recent days, but those, thankfully, knock on wood, seem to be resolved. So... For everybody here, for Sam, for Chucks, and for Sergio, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. And we will talk to you guys next week.